0: Okay, so this is a tough one, maybe even a little controversial, because, I mean, the name of the title is not 10 Ways That Your Dog Is Ruining His Life, or 10 Ways That Your Dog Is Flushing His Life Down the Toilet. No, it's 10 Ways You're Ruining Your Dog's Life. So I'm putting the responsibility and the onus right smack in the middle of exactly where it belongs, us, you, me, the humans. So let's hear exactly what I mean in three, two, one.
1: Welcome to Don't Throw Out the Dog, a podcast to dive into the behaviors of your dog to help you understand what they mean, how they're feeling, and what they're trying to say. It's education and knowledge for a closer connection, bringing your best friend even closer. Now your host, Armando Morales.
0: Hey, welcome back, everybody. Thank you. It is episode six, so we're rolling along here nicely. I'm getting a lot of positive feedback Those of you who have subscribed, who have written reviews for me, I so greatly appreciate it. Words cannot convey how grateful I am for, for your help and your assistance because, look, this whole podcasting thing, I am entirely new to it. And when I'm new to something, then clearly there's a learning curve of some sort. And I've no doubt that in somehow, some way, I'm screwing things up or I could be making things better than they are or maybe I'm making things a little harder than they need to be. I don't know. Sometimes you're in that realm, like I said, with regarding to with regards to dogs, is that sometimes you, you, you don't know what you don't know. So I got to say that I, I appreciate all of your feedback. Some of you are hitting me up on Instagram, sending me emails even, which I'm kind of surprised at, and telling me what you think of the podcast. the The feedback is positive. It's great. But I'll tell you what, since I don't know anything about podcasts, if you have any information on podcasts, any feedback, any hints, any tips, any advice, any suggestions... Send them my way because I could always spruce this up a little more than it is at the moment. And uh, like I said, anything else would be helpful and greatly appreciated. So let's talk about the topic at hand today. That's 10 ways you are ruining your dog. And why is it controversial? Well, because, you know, in a nutshell, some people get a little defensive to the idea that they are to blame for their dog's issues. Maybe it's old school thinking. Maybe it's an old school mentality. But some people are still stuck in the same grinding thought pattern that leads them to believe that the problem, whatever the problem is that the dog is dealing with, solely lies with the dog. That the dog is the cause of the problem and the dog is the one that needs to be fixed. But we know better these days. We know the effects of relationship. We know the impact of the human of the environment, and all of that is within the control of the human. We know exactly how we help or not help the dog navigate through life and the long-term effects that that has on the dog. So there is no escaping, as I've said uh, in in the past, that if your dog has got an issue, there's a direct correlation between your dog's issues and you at the other end of the leash. And I'm not saying that you've necessarily created the problem, although you may very well have created the problem. But maybe you're uh, enabling it. Maybe you're strengthening it. Maybe you're allowing it to get stronger because either you're just allowing it to go on, you're a little permissive, you're ignoring it. You could just be aiding and abetting here. You could be seeing the problem and turning a blind eye to it. There's no denying that the relationship that the dog has with the human directly affects how that dog is going to live his or her life. So I think these 10 tips are going to be helpful to you. I I think they're going to open your eyes in some ways. And some of you are already going to know these things. And some of these things are, are directly linked with one another. When I name them and count them down, some of them may sound as if they're tied to the previous one, as if they're related, and they are related. Of course they are. They're not entirely separate. It's all one one unified way of thinking and dealing with your dog. And in many ways, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, I said this in the past as well, It's it's kind of like raising a child. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get your hackles all up. I'm not saying that you should humanize your dog. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that there are comparables between raising a dog and raising a human child. And you know, those of us who are humans and <laughs> have children, uh, who hasn't screwed up their kid in some way? <laughs> uh, most of us have. But hopefully, we don't do it in such a way that it has such long-term repercussions and harmful ones that they're going to impede the quality of life of that child uh, forever. We don't want to do that. So we certainly don't want to do the same thing with a dog. We want to make sure that we give the dog the right quality of life and that we're doing the right thing by him or her. So I think these tips are going to help you out considerably. They're going to be eye-opening. The first one, number one, is that you don't have realistic expectations. And when I talk about realistic expectations, first of all, this is, this is paramount all over the dog world. I see it everywhere. Unrealistic expectations, not only for your dog, but for yourself. And very simply put is that sometimes these typically come because we don't have a really good understanding of what dogs are and what they are capable of or what they are not capable of. We have certain idealized expectations. Like in some cases, for example, we want our dog to be a Disney-like version of the dog so that when the dog suddenly develops some kind of behavioral issue along the lines of perhaps reactivity towards other dogs or humans, defensiveness, aggressive-type behaviors or displays of behaviors, it it uproots us, it upends us. Like suddenly, like, what the hell is going on with our dog? As if your dog is broken. As if there's something really dire wrong. I mean, there's some kind of chemical or mental imbalance with your dog. And nothing could be further from the truth. Dogs develop behavioral issues of one kind or another. In fact, it's a rare dog. Well, of course, it would make sense that it's a rare dog in my field that I run across that doesn't have some kind of behavioral issue. But, uh, you know, I know many, many dogs that are not my clients, that I don't work with personally one-on-one. And I can tell you, when I look at those dogs, they all have some some kind of issue. They all have something that they can improve upon. So unrealistic expectations set you up for failure. They lead you into the path of thinking that your dog should be a certain way, that behaviors should be a certain way, that your dog should fit a certain mold. And when that pattern, that idealized pattern or image isn't really fulfilled, you start thinking there is something wrong. Something wrong with your dog. Your dog is broken or your dog is damaged. And again, it, it's, it's just not right. It's not true. Uh, many of us, we make comparisons. So we have a dog that's got some kind of issue. Maybe you've got a dog that's just an excessive barker. He barks all the time. Maybe it's the onset of fear behaviors. So when the dog sees another dog especially on leash he or she starts to freak out a little bit right maybe there's a lot of barking 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 but you don't see that in your neighbors dogs you see your neighbors dogs being nice and friendly and goofy tail wagging all over the place tongue lapping out and you wonder why can't my dog be like that dog you know what if you had a significant other husband boyfriend wife girlfriend and you make comparisons like that. Like, why can't my girlfriend be like my friend's girlfriend? Why can't my husband be, my, like, be like my neighbor down the street? That's, that's, that's beyond ridiculous. That's a little stupid. And it's harmful. Because you're setting yourself up for just something that it just isn't going to pan out. Along the lines of major disappointment. But also, unrealistic expectations. What happens is that if you don't temper those expectations with reality and you decide, okay, I'm going to move forward and start taking some kind of proactive measure and I'm going to try and fix the dog's problems, your chances are you're not going to fix it in the right light because you're seeing the problem in the wrong way. You're perceiving it to be something else. Your expectation is telling you this is what it should be and I'm going to try to get that ideal version of what I think the dog should be at any cost. Another example, you've got a very fearful, skittish, anxious, insecure dog. The dog clearly tells you through body language and patterns of behavior, I don't feel good and cool and comfortable in the presence of other dogs. So, someone with unrealistic expectations thinks, well, that's not what I see in other dogs, or that's not what I think dogs should be or do. Dogs shouldn't be fearful. Dogs shouldn't hesitate to be around other dogs. Dogs shouldn't be aggressive around other dogs because that's not normal behavior. It's abnormal. At least that's what they think in their heads. So what do they do? In the effort or in the name of trying to improve the situation or fix the dog, which is freaking ridiculous. You don't just fix the dog. They set the dog up into situations and circumstances that backfire that make the situation worse. So now we're going to take that very fearful, anxious, insecure dog and we're going to drop him into a dog park. Or we're just going to lead him head on to greet another dog while on leash. All of which could be potential recipes for disasters. And again, they are based very simply rooted at the idea that you have an expectation for your dog which doesn't match the reality. So you need to have realistic expectations for your dog. That's where it starts. When you see your dog for who he or she really is, and not make major judgment calls based on whatever issues you see, you're gonna be quite a few steps ahead. You're gonna first of all alleviate a lot of stress on your part and a lot of stress and tension on the dog's part, because if you have unrealistic expectations about your dog, I guarantee you you're in some way or other you're 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 putting that stress and and tension on the dog. You're going to get rid of a lot of frustrations and feelings, general feelings of of disappointment. And then you're going to be able to start kind of working a plan in the right way, with the right attitude, with the right mindset. And that's what you want. So moving along to number two. Number two is that you don't have any rules. Here's something about dogs, despite what some people believe. Dogs need a lot of guidance. They need information. They need instruction. They need to be shown how to do something. They need clear boundaries. They need to know what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. And they need this in order to learn how to navigate life. And they need this through you, the human, the leader, the parent, the coach, the mentor. You're the one who has to provide them with all of that information. And that information, that guidance, and those instructions, they need to be crystal, crystal clear, number one. Number two, they need to be consistent. That's the recipe. That's Those are the secret ingredients. Crystal, crystal clear and consistent. Except that all of this, when we don't do it, ties into the first one, which was the unrealistic expectations and that means that we think that dogs should figure things out on their own that dogs should somehow learn to magically navigate life on their own without being told or shown or taught or trained and that's just that's just nuts if you know anything about dogs you know again I don't mean to humanize dogs But in many instances, they say that the average dog has the mental capacity of, I think it's a two or three, three year old. So you're dealing with something or someone with a mental capacity of a toddler. Tell me you're not going to start informing and guiding and instructing a toddler. Tell me you're not going to put limits on what he or she can do. Tell me you're not going to make that information that you convey to that toddler crystal, crystal clear. Tell me you're not going to repeat yourself countless times. Tell me you're not going to be there to supervise. Tell me you expect that toddler to figure life out on his or her own. And I'll tell you you're nuts because it just doesn't happen that way. We think we have rules. This is another thing. I got to say this. We think we have rules. But because, again, those rules are not clear. We're not really teaching or training the dog to understand those rules because we're not being consistent. So there's a lack of clarity and there's a lack of consistency. Those rules are non-existent. They're non-existent. You think you know them. Yeah, they're in your head. It's a good place for them. But they the, that information hasn't been properly conveyed and relayed to the dog. So he or she is somewhat vague about what the rules may be. And when they're vague, either... The rules might as well not exist at all, or the dog begins to randomize behaviors, meaning that I'm not really clear on your rules, so that means that sometimes I can do this, and sometimes I can't, right? Sometimes I can get up on the couch, and sometimes I can't. Sometimes I can run out the door, and sometimes I can't. Sometimes I can bark at other dogs, and sometimes I can't, because you're not being clear on what the expectations are. So that's number two. You, you don't have any rules. And, and, and again, dogs really, really need rules dogs need to be taught how to make their way through this world and you're going to be doing your dog a major service if that if you make that one of your principles one of one of your big training points really teach your dog exactly what you want and don't want what is cool and what is not cool number 3 is that you have no structure in your house or for your dog so you're probably thinking, what the heck? You just told me to have rules, so I'm going to have rules. That's structure, right? No, it isn't. Again, if you don't have the consistency and if you don't have the rules, you're definitely not going to have the structure. Structure, just in case you're a little confused as to what I mean by that, structure is the framework by which you will apply your rules. So you can have certain rules, for example, like I don't want you on the couch, but Because they're not lifestyle rules, meaning every single time the dog gets on the couch, you immediately remove the dog from the couch. Soon enough, the dog learns there is a consequence to me being on the couch, which means I get taken off immediately, and that dog will soon learn uh, it's not worth it. I can't be on the couch. That's the framework. You're applying that framework. Yes, you can say framework is consistency. It, It isn't really. Consistency lends to that framework. And you need the framework. So it's not enough to have rules. I know tons of dogs and, and dog owners who have rules for their dogs, but because they don't have the framework in place, meaning the framework, another way of thinking about it, is that you have a clear definition in your mind as to what you want the house rules to be, what is accepted, acceptable and not acceptable when you have that framework and that those rules in your mind and you apply them consistently, and consistently I mean lifestyle, not sometimes, not when you feel like it, not when you have the energy, not when you have the time, but every single time, every single day, these are the rules of the house. Again, think of a small child at the kitchen table, left unchecked and allowed to do what they want to do most children, first of all, are not going to eat all of their meal. They're going to pick the favorite parts and discard the rest. They're probably going to eat with their fingers. They're going to bring toys to the table. They're going to feed the dog. They're going to probably climb on the table. They're going to do all sorts of stuff. You need to be there to reinforce the rules. You need to be there to give them clear daily instructions. And your framework, your structure means that every single time you come to the table, this is the way you're going to behave. You're going to follow those directions and these rules every single time. Not sometimes, not when I'm feeling like it, not when I've got the energy, not when I've got the time to supervise you, but every single time because you see the long-term benefits to it and you see and understand that this is something you've got to be on top of and that repetition is key. And you're adamant about your rules. Like, you're tenacious. This is it. There is no nitpicking with your food. There's no finger eating. There's no throwing your food across the table or onto the wall or feeding the dog. There's no craziness or obnoxious type behaviors at the table. This is the way we're going to eat. And that's just one example. Whatever it is. Whatever it is you're trying to teach a small child. Brushing their teeth. Flushing the toilet. This is it. This is These are the rules. This is the framework. This is the structure. And I'm going to Persist diligently in teaching you these skills and these behaviors and making them very crystal clear until you fully understand and they become second nature to you. And again, that is what that's your ultimate goal with the dog doing them completely, diligently, all the time until they become second nature with the dog. Until he understands, based on your rules and your structure, and your framework, he understands this is it. This is the way we live life around here. I got it. I understand. I I sit before I eat. I sit before you allow me to run out the door. I don't get on the couch. You know, whatever your rules are. But that's how you create them, okay? So now let's move on to number four. Your relationship is off. There's something not right with the relationship. The dog doesn't view you in the way necessary for you to become his leader. He doesn't see you as the kind of person who's going to hold him accountable. Or you're adding to his or her issues. And maybe they fall along the line of you're too permissive. You you talk a big game, but you allow too much negative behaviors. You allow them to persist. And therefore, you're allowing them to get stronger. Because as I've mentioned in past episodes, behavior gets stronger through repetition, through practice. Maybe you're adding to your dog's confusion. Maybe you're adding to your dog's anxiety. Maybe you're toxic in some way. That doesn't mean you don't love your dog. That doesn't mean you don't care for your dog. That doesn't mean you don't try to do the right thing by your dog. But maybe you're unstable in some sense. Maybe you're not consistent with the work. So that's a level of instability and unpredictability. And unpredictability is not good. Maybe you're unstable with your emotions. Maybe someday or one day you're happy and you're joyful and you're doing fantastic things with your dog and giving him or her belly rubs. And another day, maybe something happened and you're in a bad mood and you're yelling and you're having fits and tantrums. Maybe you're taking it out on your dog, but that doesn't necessarily need to be the case. You don't need to take it out on your dog. Your dog is going to pick up on your energy levels. And that instability is enough to destroy any kind of relationship or to diminish trust. So there's something off with the relationship. And the kind of relationship that you want is one where the dog feels safe with you, number one. Number two, the dog feels a sense of trust with you. Number three, the dog feels accountable to you. Like you're the one with the resources, you're the one with the rules, you're the one who gives me guidance. And I'm going to tell you, I I said this is number four, but as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to training, when it comes to improving your dog's condition, your dog's quality of life, when it comes to getting rid of many of the issues that dogs uh, struggle with, or that humans struggle with, relationship is key. Relationship is paramount. Relationship is at the top of the pyramid, as far as I'm concerned. It wasn't always that case, but it is now. And I'm a big advocate of that that thinking. If your relationship is off, your dog can do all sorts of magical stuff, but the relationship isn't there. Your dog may be highly skilled in some sense, but you still feel like things are out of control. You still feel your dog isn't necessarily listening to you. You still feel there's a disconnect, and there's a disconnect because the relationship is off. You know, a few years back, I knew these two ladies who had these fantastic agility dogs. These dogs, you, if you would see them in the ring, they were amazing. And these ladies with the dogs in the ring were amazing as well. Because agility is a is a two-mammal type of uh, sport. So it, it's not just the dog, but the human has to be there. There has to be a connection with that dog in that moment, within that context. So they had, and they both called me at separate times, but it was the same year. But they had these dogs who were highly trained in that respect. Very good. They were, they had won quite a few different ribbons. I remember one lady, I went to her house. She had agility ribbons all over the wall. And she had these fantastic Dogs who were sweet and kind and knew all of these behaviors, but she had no control over them. They did not listen to her. They disregarded her. Like to them, at certain times, she didn't exist. She was irrelevant. And it was incredible. I thought she could do so many things with them and get them to do so many things in the agility ring. But when it came to the outside world, the real world, she had no control over them. They were so highly skilled, sit, down, come, fantastic. You'd be impressed. But these dogs outside in the real world, in the house or outside in the yard, they just wouldn't listen to her. And the thing is that outside in the real world, in her life, in in her home, she had no rules. She thought she had rules, but she had no rules. And she certainly didn't have any kind of structure. There was no framework there. The relationship was off. So the dog saw her in a certain light within a certain context. what's so in the ring. When we're doing this work, this is work. This is what we're doing. This is, you're going to give us information here. But it didn't translate to the real world because she didn't take that step to have it translate into the real world. And so what she had is some highly trained dogs who just tuned her out. They just weren't listening to her. And that is a byproduct of a faulty relationship. There is something amiss. In the relationship. Yes, of course, rules and the structure. But rules and structure ties into relationship. As I said, it's at the top of the pyramid. Don't fool yourself that you can have a crappy relationship and still have rules and structure and everything's going to be fine with your dog. Relationship is key. You can have a dog who doesn't have much in the way of training. You can have a dog who doesn't know much in the way of rules. But because the relationship is right, And because the the human has taken the steps and the measures to lay the foundation for a right relationship, a healthy relationship, they have no issues or very minimal issues at all. And the dog sees that person as the leader. The dog feels, you hold me accountable. Relationship is key here. Let's go to number five. The fifth reason how or why you're ruining your dog. You can't accurately read your dog. We've talked about this in past episodes. I think this is one of the very first episodes. I say one of the very first, like we're on number six, so it's not like we're far along the way. But I talk about body language. I talk about understanding your dog, the ability to read your dog. I also say, if I didn't say it before, I will say it now, and if I did, I'm going to repeat it. You need to learn how to read your dog at that level. It is the primary way, really the only way that the dog is able to communicate with you. That is through the use of their body, through the displays of their body, their their facial expressions, their ears, their tails, their body posture, their pace, their eyes. Everything conveys something. And that's the beauty of dogs. They don't deceive. They're incapable of deception. What you see is what you're getting at that very moment. What that dog is feeling at that moment is exactly what's being portrayed in their body. And if you don't have the ability to read that body posture, that body language, you're in the dark. And that's part of the danger of people who don't have the ability to read body language. And by part of the danger means that they think they know how to read body language. But they don't. Instead, what they're doing is they are interpreting, misinterpreting. And that's the danger of not knowing how to read proper body language. You misinterpret. Or you see a problem and because you're misinterpreting it, you misdiagnose it. So you're seeing one thing but you think you're seeing something else. And that's not the dog's fault. That's your fault. Body language these days, you know, it's not like 20, 30 years ago where you had to pick it up from a book. There are tons of videos out there. There's a lot of information. There's seminars. There's workshops. There's tons of information. Plenty of resources. There's no excuse for being able to find out exactly or learn how to read your dog's behaviors and body language. And my belief is that if more people fell into line and started really understanding how to read their dogs, I I think you'd have an enormous decrease in all sorts of behavioral issues. So think about it, because this is a big one. It's number five. These are in no particular order. But this is a big one. We just don't know how to communicate with our dogs. And don't tell me that that doesn't add more stress and tension to the dog's life when he is trying to convey one thing and you don't see it. Number six, you don't meet your dog's basic biological needs. What do I mean by that? Not enough exercise, not enough mental stimulation. That's the biological needs, okay? These are physiological and psychological. And these are needs, not wants, not likes. These are biological needs. If you don't get enough exercise, if you don't get me- enough mental stimulation, you're going to go stir crazy. And that's that's the good part. That's the, the least of the issues that you could start developing when you don't have those biological needs met. So what happens with a dog who doesn't get his or her daily share of exercise? I've talked about this also. You know, exercise is really important with dogs. The younger the dog, the more activity, the more exercise he or she needs. As they age and mature, they likely need less, right? It's, it's just like humans, again. It doesn't mean that they don't need any. They, they just don't have that abundance, overabundance of energy to expend. But you'd be surprised how many people I come across and have very young dogs and they don't get either any or enough exercise and this starts to create a lot of problems. Some big behavioral issues can develop because a dog isn't getting his or her basic biological needs met on a regular, consistent basis. Not sometimes, every time. A regular routine. So you have to have a plan for meeting these needs on a regular basis. So, what kind of problems develop from something like this? A dog that doesn't get enough exercise, especially a young dog, hyperactivity, anxiety, a lack of focus, a lack of impulse control, excessiveness, excessive barking, excessive chewing, pacing, overexcitement, overstimulation, arousal, not sexual arousal, but all sorts of issues. And that's just the physical exercise. Think about the dog, the average dog in this country who spends the majority of his or her time just lazing about, doing absolutely nothing, waiting for us to take them out or do something with them, engage with them, except we don't really do much of anything except maybe pat them in the head, rub their belly, and maybe take them on a little walk. If even that, we should count our blessings that we don't have more behavioral issues with dogs than we do. So mental stimulation is a big one. You know, they have a lot of different toys these days. It's not just the ball, which the ball can be a great thing, but it can drive you stir-crazy indoors. But there's a lot of games, structured plays, structured play. Not just letting the dog run his full head off in the backyard and calling it exercise and mental stimulation. Fetch, tug, throw a frisbee, some off-leash activity. Think of Kongs, puzzle toys, things that get his or her mind going. Kill the boredom. Do something to address the excess energy, and you're going to go a long way towards alleviating, minimizing, or mitigating all sorts of behavioral issues. Number seven, you don't know how to train. Every dog should know some basic training skills. Sit, down, stay, recall. Recall is the most important. If you're going to train the dog to do anything, Teach your dog to come back to you when you call. It is the one skill that can save his or her life. Off. Leave it. Every dog should have some kind of basic foundational skills. And you know what? Here's a secret. You don't necessarily need to go to class or hire a trainer to teach these basic skills. You can do it yourself. Except that most of us don't know how, despite the millions of YouTube videos out there trying to teach you just that. And look, this is not any surprise, and this is not necessarily any fault of your own either. Most of us have a dog. We don't want to devote time or hours to learning how to train. And yes, learning how to train is, is not one of those simple skills. It looks simple, but it takes quite a bit of work. You've got to know exactly how to work the mechanics. Timing, for example, is key. The best trainers are very, very good with their timing. And you've got to understand that. Just being off on timing can screw things up. So you don't know how to train, yet you're trying to get the dog to train. When you don't know how to train, what happens is that you make the effort, you get frustrated, and that leads you to all sorts of bad feelings on the dog. More than likely, again, because you have unrealistic expectations or Because you're not being consistent, right? We've mentioned these in past ones here. And you're not getting the behavior, and you may even think that the dog is stupid, except he or she isn't stupid. Because teaching a dog a certain behavior is really not that difficult. But you're just sucking at training the dog. And you could use some help with that. Because training the dog should be a basic necessity in a dog's life. That leads into number eight. You don't ask, and you don't seek help when you need it. Not everybody is going to develop big, major behavioral issues. I think almost everyone is going to develop some kind of issue in their dog, and it doesn't need to be a big one. Maybe you got a counter surfer. That's an issue. On the scale of issues, it's a minor one. But many of you are going to deal with very fearful, skittish, anxious, reactive, somewhat aggressive dogs, and you need help, except you don't seek help. You don't ask for help. You don't look for help, which is bad enough. But very often what happens with these cases is those who do not seek help only regret it more down the road when the behavior becomes bigger and more out of control. I deal with quite a few people who call me and tell me I've got a dog who growls. I've got a dog who lunges and shows aggression. I've got a dog who bit someone. I've got a dog who tried to bite someone, and I always ask them questions, and when I want to find out exactly how far back the behavior goes, I can trace it back a few years. And to their credit, many of them understand and see and recognize the behavior going back that far, yet they took no action on it. They did absolutely nothing about it. And now they're dealing with something that's not only beyond their control, but also possibly far more difficult to deal with and to, to help. So look, there is no shame in seeking help. I think there is shame in knowing and recognizing you have a problem and not seeking help. Number nine, you don't manage your dog. There's a school of thought that says within the dog training world that your dog should be trained at every level and you should rely on training at every level. That the dog who is managed or needs to be managed isn't fully trained. I think that's a crock. Because you need to learn how to manage your dog. Management with your dog has to become some kind of lifestyle or lifelong process. You need to know how to manage your dog at some, po- at some level. And what is management? Well, you know, when you look at certain tools and equipment, crates, Baby gates, leashes, all of those are management tools, management devices. And management means that basically you're controlling the dog's movements. You're controlling the dog's environments, right? This is you being the leader. We're the ones with the higher brain power. We're the ones who are able to kind of manipulate the environment or the surroundings around us. We're the ones who are able to read the dog and determine whether this is a good environment for the dog or not, or maybe we need to make a few changes because we need to confine the dog to a certain space. You need to learn how to manage a dog. And in my, in my travels, coming across a few people who have some kind of serious behavioral issues, and by the way, the more serious your dog's issues, the more you need to be good at managing. Managing the dog and the environment. And in my travels coming along, some of these people who have somewhat of a serious behavioral issue with a dog, maybe perhaps along the lines of aggression, many of them don't manage their dogs. They don't manage their space. So it's not uncommon for me to run across a highly anxious, really defensive, easily triggered, easily stimulated, big dog. And this dog's got the run of the house hopping around and racing from one window to another so he can ferociously bark and yell and scream and threaten everyone who comes by to immediately run to the door to do the same thing to whoever's coming in and then immediately run out to a different window or a separate floor. There's no management of the dog. You're allowing the behavior to persist and by allowing it to to persist, you're allowing it to get stronger. Because it's being practiced. It's repetition. And that is only because you are not managing. You have this false notion that, well, I just need training. The dog isn't trained. And let me tell you very quickly, if no other trainer has told you, not every issue is going to be trainable. It isn't. Not every issue is going to be trainable. Some are. Some are not. And trainable is questionable as well. In terms of what you're expecting what your expectations are going to be regarding the actual training or how far along you're going to be able to get along with the training, the progress that you're going to make with the training. Maybe the progress isn't going to be exactly what you're expecting. Maybe you're only going to be able to get to a certain mark, a certain milestone, and that's it. Because your dog is not going to be able to progress. Now, yeah, there are tons of different training methods. You know, if you want to get heavily into aversives and punish a dog, I'm not even going to talk about that right now. But it's not my practice. I don't get into punishing dogs. I don't want to follow that line, so I'm not even going to discuss it here. But realistically speaking, I I think there's certain dogs that you can take up to a certain point. And then beyond that, it's going to be a work in progress. You're going to have continual work with that dog. So with those kind of dogs, and again, it doesn't even need to be that grave or that dire, but you've got to start implementing some management plan. And you've got to have a management plan. And this is what we do when we first bring a dog into a house, even at the very early puppy stages. What do we do? We manage them. One of the most ridiculous things that you could do is take a very young puppy who doesn't understand anything, doesn't understand the house rules, doesn't understand the structure, can't even hold his or her bladder and you're giving him free range around the house and that puppy is going everywhere he or she wants and doing everything he or she wants and then i get the call wondering why is my puppy peeing all over the place why is my puppy chewing on the on the the, the fancy table my grandmother gave me why is why did my puppy destroy my couch while i was gone Because you're not managing the dog. You're not managing the dog's space, the dog's environment, the dog's movements. You're expecting too much unrealistic expectations for a puppy, for a dog that young in that phase of life. So don't do it. All right, let's move on to the last one. Number 10 is along the lines of the last one that we spoke, which is management, is that you're not creating a safe world for your dog. This is a big one. When you want to talk about ways in which you're ruining your dog, not creating a safe world for your dog is one of them. And there's a variety of ways in which you can go about this. So look, very simply put, bottom line, every single dog is always looking for safety. Every dog is always looking for safety. Even the friendly dog, the mayor of the town, always wants to feel safe. It's no different than you and I, in humans, right? We want to feel safe too. The more anxious and insecure and fearful a dog is, the more that dog needs to feel safe. And in many ins- instances, that anxiety that, that that you see some dogs that is so palpable in certain dogs is there because the dog is is is, is almost in a panic mode because he doesn't feel safe. Because he or she feels threatened. It doesn't matter that the threat is real. It can be perceived. It very often is perceived. It's not real, but it's real in their minds. You want to know the recipe for creating an aggressive dog? You want to know how to create a really fearful, easily triggered defensive dog? Make that dog feel that he or she is not safe in this world. Make them feel that the world is scary, that the world is threatening, that they're going to get hurt at some point. And let them live with that fear and that threat all the time, Pretty soon, you're going to start seeing a dog who gets highly defensive. And by defensive, I mean aggressive at all turns because that dog just feels threatened. And that's a good recipe for creating a very aggressive dog. So making sure that your dog feels safe is Again, it's it's big. And some of us, we do it instinctively. We want to make sure that our dog feels safe, the dog feels comfortable, that no harm comes to our dog. But some of us, despite the good intention of trying to keep our dog safe, we create situations where just the dog just begins to wonder, what the hell is going on? And they feel like uneasy, uncomfortable. One such way is that we put dogs into situations where the dog shouldn't be. So again, as I said in the earlier example, maybe we take a dog to a dog park who just doesn't belong in the dog park. He or she is giving you all the clear signs that I don't belong here. I don't want to be here. I don't feel comfortable here. So again, because you have unrealistic expectations, number one. Number two, because you are not able to read your dog, you're setting your dog up for failure. You're putting him in a bad space, and you're making him feel threatened and uneasy. And because you more than likely repeatedly take him or her back to the dog park, you're going to start seeing a rise in defensive behavior. The other thing is that life is unpredictable. Look, dogs thrive on routine. Routine is everything for dog. Routine equals predictability. Predictability means safe. It's not any different for us humans either. We want predictability and when something is happens or rather when something happens that is unpredictable then that adds stress that adds tension that adds confusion that adds uncertainty that can feel threatening and we don't want that right and it doesn't matter what it is maybe it's a it's a, it's a car accident it throws us off it breaks the routine so predictability is really, really important with the dog. And predictability is everything. Like your structure, your rules, if you are consistent, and they are lifestyle rules, they lend to that predictability. The dog understands how life is going to be in your house with this human. When you feed them, where you feed them, that's predictable. Where you take them on walks. Doesn't mean you've got to take them there every single time. How you walk them. How you deal with them. Again, going back to an earlier one that we discussed, your emotional level. Are you predictable? Are you consistently at the same emotional tone? Or are you? you've got your highs and lows because you're unstable also. Sometimes you're happy. Sometimes you're really angry and pissed off. That lends to unpredictability in the dog. That's unstable. That creates anxiety in the dog. That creates confusion and uncertainty. And that means in the dog's mind, life isn't safe. Or life isn't safe with this human. Or life isn't safe in this environment. And you've got to know how to really make the dog feel safe. Okay, so that was number 10, and I'm going to leave it at that. Because um, that's, that's quite enough. I can probably write another 5 or, or 10 on these ways in which we can ruin our dog. I think that's enough to give you some kind of food for thought. To start thinking about how you're dealing with your dog, how you're living with your dog, how your dog perceives you. How despite your best intentions, and this is key, because I don't think anybody intentionally is trying to hurt their dog, make their dog feel unsafe. I think we just do it out of not knowing what we don't know. We do it out of good intentions. We, we have unrealistic expectations. I want to socialize my dog despite the fact that he is shaking all the time around other dogs. So let me just throw him into a pack of 15 other dogs. You've got to start informing yourself and educating yourself, and right? And that's what we're here for to help you understand this a little better. So I hope that this episode gave you uh, some things to think about. So as I always say, ending, follow me on Instagram. Uh, my name is Armando Morales77. That's my profile or account name. It's armandomorales I say Instagram because I think I'm more active there than I am on Facebook. You can follow me on Facebook as well. Go to Instagram. You'll see the link to all that. You'll see the link to my Facebook page. Send me a DM. Let me know how you found out about me. Let me know you're listening to the podcast. Let me know what you think. Give me some good podcasting tips if you know any. Don't give me any tips if you've never podcasted, all right, because I'm not going to listen to it. It's just going to sound odd. But anyway, all the best to you. Go out there. Work with your dog. Build the right relationship. Make sure your dog is uh, mentally and physically stimulated. Give them a lot of activity. Make them feel safe. Give them structure. Give them rules. Manage them. Hold them accountable. You're going to develop a fantastic relationship with that dog, and you're going to be in the lead, and that's what you need. All right, all the best to all of you. I'm extremely grateful and thankful for each and every one of you listening to this. And let's move on to the next episode. Take care and good luck.
1: This has been Don't Throw Out the Dog. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to this podcast to be the first to hear new episodes jam-packed with actionable tips and tricks, small changes you can make that will make an everlasting difference in the life of your dog and your relationship with it. For more exclusive content, follow Armando on Instagram at armandomorales77.